the third day, Jesus burst out of the grave fully alive and eager to fill his followers with his resurrection power. But history proves that Jesus' followers can be slow in receiving that resurrection power. In fact, the uh, Easter account found in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, reveals how Jesus' resurrection uh, followed uh, with some of his followers uh, rather slow to come alive. John, chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone stone had been removed from the entrance. Mary stood outside the tomb crying and crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. The angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. In the evening, when the disciples were huddled together afraid behind locked doors, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, Jesus showed him, showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. But Thomas was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later. The disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is Easter, when Jesus burst out of the tomb with an explosion of resurrection power. But notice that even though Jesus was alive, some of his followers were slow to come to life. Even though Mary Magdalene saw the empty tomb, she still stood there, Crying and crying. Even though Thomas heard that Jesus was alive, he still sat there doubting and doubting. So the Easter account demonstrates two truths. The first truth is that Jesus is alive. 
The second truth is that his followers can be very slow to come alive with his resurrection power. What's the truth for you this Easter? Jesus is alive. But what about you? Are you alive? Well, it's possible today that you are like Thomas. You sing the Easter songs and you listen to the Easter story about Jesus being alive. But truth being told, uh, you're really not so sure. Um, You think that, well, maybe Easter is a nice tradition, but you're not so sure Jesus literally rose from the dead. You figure that, well, maybe the resurrection is a metaphor, a metaphor for the fact that Jesus is still alive in the hearts of his people, or that he's a symbol of the chance of uh, hope in life. If this is where you are today, I challenge you to do what Thomas did. Do some first-hand investigation. Jesus invited Thomas to reach out his hand and do some hands-on research on the resurrection. And I challenge you to do the same. I know a guy who did this. Uh, He was educated at Yale down the uh, street and uh, became an investigative journalist for the Chicago Tribune. Uh, Lee Strobel considered himself an atheist who thought of Easter as a metaphor for fuzzy-minded Christians uh, who would feel better uh, just knowing that there was a little hope in life. But then Lee's thinking was blindsided when his wife became one of those fuzzy-minded Christians. Uh, Except that Lee knew that she was one of the smartest people he had ever known. Then another odd thing happened. Uh, Lee found that following Jesus really changed her life. He watched as his wife's joy factor kept going up and up in her life and left Lee feeling kind of dead uh, in comparison. But Lee thought, you know, I need to investigate this. So he approached Jesus and the resurrection with the same journalistic rigor he applied to hundreds of news stories that he had uh, researched on his job. And soon, Lee's disbelief was confronted by two big historical facts. History affirms, first, that Jesus' followers all scattered in fear after the crucifixion. That's fact number one. But fact number two, history affirms the fact that these same people were soon transformed into bold proclaimers who went everywhere declaring that Jesus was alive. And Lee scratched his head over this question. If Jesus stayed dead and the disciples knew it, why were the disciples willing to face imprisonment and suffering and death for what they knew was a lie? Nobody chooses to be executed for a metaphor. Nobody dies for what they know to be a lie. Anyway, two years after starting his investigation, one day Lee Strobel 
pushed aside all his research, fell on his knees, and asked the risen Jesus to fill him with the same resurrection power he saw in his wife. And I'm not saying that this is going to happen to you, but if you're a Thomas, I challenge you to do what Thomas did and reach out your hand toward Jesus and do some first-hand research. Uh, Lee Strobel published his research in a book he entitled A Case for Easter. And uh, if you're seeking answers today, uh, and you're here in Fairfield, uh, not in our Long Ridge campus, uh, would you please stop by the uh, Guest Connections booth, and we'll give you a copy of this book, A Case for Easter. And maybe, just maybe, after some first-hand research, just like Thomas, you'll come alive in Jesus and his resurrection power. But maybe you're saying, I'm no doubting Thomas. I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, so was Mary Magdalene. But she was quite slow to receive the power of the resurrection. Jesus was alive, but Mary stood there crying. First, the angels asked Mary, why are you crying? And then in a comic twist, Jesus himself asks Mary, uh, why are you crying? And thinking he is the gardener, Mary says, I'm crying because Jesus is not here. And this is when she came alive. The moment that changed her was the moment when the risen Jesus spoke her name. Jesus said, Mary. And when Jesus whispered her name, Mary finally had her Easter. When Jesus whispered her name, Mary finally received resurrection power. When Jesus whispered her name, Mary finally stopped crying and started coming alive. On this Easter, Jesus asks you, the same question he asked Mary on the first Easter. Why are you crying? And I know you're not crying on the outside, but it's on the inside I'm talking about. And the one who sees parts of you that no one else sees uh, asks, why are you crying? Because inside you're crying tears of, of worry and fear and hopelessness and while you're crying on the inside, it's natural to want to try to find something on the outside to bring you the joy that you crave. When you're crying inside, you turn to external relationships and money and possessions, but it doesn't work. One day, a uh, woman bought a parrot and brought it home. After a uh, day or two, she noticed that the parrot didn't do anything. And so she went back to the pet store and uh, complained how the parrot didn't talk and didn't sing. Uh, the parrot just sat there on the perch. And the pet store owner suggested, well, maybe the parrot needs a ladder to climb you know, up and down on. And so the lady went back with this uh, ladder and put it in the cage, and nothing happened. The next day she went back saying, uh, the parrot still doesn't talk, doesn't sing. Uh, he just looks at the ladder with disinterest. And uh, the store owner said, well, uh, what the parrot needs is a swing. And so the parrot uh, uh, got a swing and just seemed even more lethargic. 
So the next day she comes back and the owner says, uh, the parrot needs a, a mirror and then a plastic tree and then a shiny bell. And eventually the lady came back in tears. And this time she brought a cage, bird cage, full of toys and a dead parrot. And the store owner took one look and said, oh no, did the bird, did, did the bird ever say anything? And Lydia said, yes, just before he died, he looked me in the eyes and said, eh, doesn't that pet store have any food? And uh, I love that story because I, I think it's a kind of a, a story of our lives. Uh, we want our souls to sing. But when our souls don't come alive, we listen to our materialistic culture that says, hey, if you're not singing inside, you must need a new toy. And so we buy the lie and we uh, think that if we go up and down the ladder uh, that we'll begin to sing. We think that uh, if we have a, a new shiny new relationship or toy that it'll make us come alive inside. But the deadness inside isn't boredom. It's hunger. Your soul is starving for a relationship with God. Because God created you to find nourishment in a friendship with Him. Jesus said in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So stop crying inside and come alive with the bread of life. Mary kept saying, I'm crying because Jesus isn't here. When Jesus was standing right beside her, Mary was drowsy uh, to Jesus' presence until Jesus whispered her name. Thomas came alive through first-hand research. Mary came alive when Jesus spoke her name in a personal whisper. And if you listen, the risen Jesus is whispering your name right now. Jesus whispers your name because he wants you to experience his resurrection in a personal way. He wants you to personally wake up to his thrilling presence in your life so that you come alive with his resurrection power. Power to break the chains of guilt from your past. Power to break the bonds of bitterness. Power so that you're free from anger and addiction and fearful ways. Power to stop crying on the inside and start singing inside. Singing because your lost dreams are found. Singing because your empty life is now full of His living presence. Singing because Jesus defeated death for you. And because He is alive with Him in your life, nothing is impossible. Jesus is alive. What about you? The same Jesus who wiped away Thomas' doubt and Mary's tears is here right now. And he calls you to receive his resurrection power so that like him, you come alive. Let's pray. 
Jesus, thank you for being here and for desiring for us so much more than we often experience. Lord, we thank you for your patience. That uh, you're patient with us when we're when we're doubting. You're patient with us when we in a futile attempt, go with toys when the only thing that's going to satisfy us and that hunger inside is a friendship with you. Oh, Lord, would you um, lead us in a new and fresh way? Would you whisper our names right now in ways that make us like you, truly alive? Amen.